Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the uh, Old Testament podcast. This episode is going to be Exodus chapter 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart, and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto your children of Israel, Say unto the children of Israel, Ye are stiff-necked people. I, or if I came up, I would consume, will come up into the midst of thee in a moment, and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle, or the tent of meeting, of the congregation which was without the camp. It was outside the camp to show that God had rejected the people because they broke their covenant. Later the tabernacle will be brought back inside the camp, showing that God was again with them. And it came to pass, when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, that all the people rose up, and stood every man at his tent door, and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again unto the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will go with thee rest. Oh, and I will give thee rest, sorry. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, or become a special distinctive people, I and thy people, for all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said unto Moses, Thou canst not see my face at this time, lest mine anger be kindled against thee also, and I destroy thee and thy people, for there shall 
no man among them see me at this time, and live, for they are exceeding sin, sinful, and no sinful man hath at any time, neither shall there be any sinful man at any time, that shall see my face and live. In the Joseph Smith translation of John 1-19, through it states, And no man hath seen God at any time, except he hath borne record of the Son, for except it is through him, no man can be saved. The Joseph Smith translation makes it also sound like those are those that are wicked will see the face of God in the final judgment, but will then die a spiritual death and be sent from the presence of God forever. Verse 21, And the Lord said, Behold, thou shalt stand upon a rock, and I will prepare a place for by me for thee. And it shall come to pass, when my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a, in a cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, or until I have gone past. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shalt not be seen, as at other times, for I am angry with my people Israel. That the Lord would not go personally with Israel because of their stiff-neckedness was indeed felt to be evil tidings. The account of the people's repentance and of God's gracious forgiveness forms one of the most precious portions of this history. The first manifestation of their godly sorrow was the putting away of their ornaments, not only temporarily, but permanently. Thus we read, the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from the Mount Horeb onward. Israel was, so to speak, in permanent mourning ever after its great national sin. Next, as the Lord would would not personally be in the midst of Israel, Moses removed the tent, probably his own outside the camp, that they that there might that there that there he might re- receive the divine communications. When the cloudy pillar descended and Jehovah talked with Moses, Moses called this the tent of meeting, rendered in the authorized version the tabernacle of the congregation. It is scarcely necessary to say that this was not the tabernacle, as the authorized version might lead one to believe or to infer, since the latter was not yet constructed. To this tent of meeting, all who were of the true Israel and who regarded Jehovah not merely as their national God, but owned him personally and felt the need of him, were were wont to go out. This must not be looked upon as either a protest or an act of separation on their part, but as evidence of true repentance and of their desire to meet with God, who no longer was in the camp of Israel. Moreover, all the people, when they saw the cloudy pillar descend to Moses, rose up and worshipped. Altogether, this was perhaps the period of greatest heart softening during Israel's wanderings in the wilderness, and God graciously had respect to it. He had already assured Moses that he stood in special relationship to him, I know thee by name, and that his prayer for Israel had been heard. Thou hast also found grace in my sight. But as yet the former sentence stood to the effect that an angel, not Jehovah himself, was to be Israel's future guide. Under these circumstances, Moses now entreated Jehovah to show him his way, that is, his present purpose in regard to Israel, adding that if God would bring them into the land of, of promise, he would consider that this is thy people, and hence he their God and king. This plea also prevailed, and the Lord once more promised that his own presence would go with them, and that he himself would give them the the rest of Canaan. And Moses gave thanks by further prayer, even more earnest than before, for the blessing now again vouchsafed. But one thing had become painfully evident to Moses by what had happened. However faithful in his master's house, he was but a servant, and a servant knoweth not the will of his master. The threat of destruction if Jehovah remained among Israel, and the alternative of sending them sending with them an angel must have cast a gloom over his future mediatorship. It was indeed only that of a servant, however highly favored, not of a son. 
that he could quite understand the being and character of the God of Israel, see not his likeness but his glory. Then would all become clear, and with fuller light, joyous assurance fill his heart, that such was the real meaning of Moses' prayer, Show me thy glory, appears from the mode in which the Lord answered it, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of Jehovah before thee. Then was Moses taught that the deepest mystery of divine, of, the, of divine grace lay not in God's national, but in his individual dealings in sovereign mercy. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Yet no man could see the face, of, the, face the full outshining of Jehovah, neither flesh nor spirit, so long as it dwelt in the flesh, could bear such glory. While that glory passed by, God would hold Moses in a, cl- in a cliff of the rock, perhaps in the same in which similar vision was afterwards granted to Elijah. And there he would support or cover him with his hand, only the back parts, the after glory, the luminous reflection of what Jehovah really was, could Moses bear to see. But what Moses witnessed hid in the cleft of the rock, and Elijah, the representative of the prophets, saw more clearly hiding his face in his mantle while he worshipped, appears fully revealed to us in the face of Jesus Christ, in whom the fullness, the whole fullness of the Godhead dwelleth bodily. And again, that was by Alfred Edersheim. Uh, so that's the end of uh, chapter 33. I bear testimony that these things are true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.